Well, good morning, church. How you holding up this morning? You can talk to me now. It's okay. You can talk to me. Hey, we have a really special uh, family back today. Jeremiah and Nikki Parks have been at New Life for over 20 years. They've got three kids, a Camden, Asher, and Afton, and they spent half of their year in Guatemala serving the poor, widows, and orphans, and taking care of people, and they came back for the holidays. So would you give it up for Jeremiah and Nikki Parks? and their kids, saints, we love you, we love you, we love you, welcome, welcome back. Pastor Brady was supposed to be speaking today, but he called me yesterday morning and he just sounded terrible. He's got this cold going. He told me, I could tell you, he's got a cold and you know, Brady would preach it better than me, but I'll sound better than Brady today. So he sent me. So anyway, Brady, be rested up, be healed. We love you, man of God. Uh, what we're gonna do is open up to Luke chapter one and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to look at some of these early gospel stories of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. You look at some familiar characters, but hopefully today my prayer is that by the Spirit, the Word of God is quickened to us and enlivened for us and that we would be changed. So hear the Word of the Lord, Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. I'll read this and then we will pray and jump in. It says, then... An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, the old priest. He was standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Flag that phrase in your mind because this will recur in our text today. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. And he goes on to say, he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. This child is marked. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of the old prophet Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Very subtle there. He's old and she's like 39 plus, you know? Then the angel, he said, how can I know this? And then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Like, can we read the text for the humor that it is? Like, I am Gabriel. My apartment smells of rich mahogany and I have many leather bound books. I am a big deal. Like, do you know who I am? I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I'm Gabriel, that's how you know. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to speak to us again. The easiest thing to do in this moment is to come in and just kind of live the routine out and yeah, we know what church is and yeah, the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would have your way with all of us. For those of us that need you to disrupt us a little bit, would you do that today? 
I remember a great uh, uh, preacher saying that a great sermon comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Lord, we invite you to, to stir us up today, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us. We pray that your word would be living and active among us. Put us back together as the people of God. So we pray with the ancient psalmist. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Zechariah had plenty to be afraid about. Let's pay attention to the reality of his story. He had psychological concerns. He's, he's longing for his wife to have what she has desired from, for, for her whole life. Just, God, give me a child. Lord, give me a child. Lord, hear my prayer. And in this ancient patriarchal honor-shame culture, to not have a child was, in this moment, very embarrassing and shameful. And Zechariah is just caring. He wants his wife to have what she needs. There's psychological concerns. Is she gonna break? Is the weight of this burden just so heavy on her? Is this the straw that's about to break the camel's back? Like, God, would you please take care of my wife? There are psychological concerns, there are economical concerns. In this ancient society, a child was expected to rise up, honor thy father and mother that it may go well with you and you live a long life on the earth. This is one of the commandments, like take care of your parents. As they get old, use your strength now to carry them to their rest. We don't have children, says Zechariah and Elizabeth, and so who's gonna take care of us when we get old? Who's gonna see Elizabeth to her rest? Cause Zechariah was probably 15 to 20 years older than Elizabeth even. So he's gonna be gone before she is and he's aching thinking about his wife being left childless and he's gone and there's no one to take care of her. There are, there are economical concerns, there's family legacy concerns. He's thinking that my name is descending into nothingness. The great heritage, they, these are, this is a power couple. She comes from a priestly line and he comes from a priestly line and they're meant to carry God's story forward and the story's gonna stop with them, our family line. There's, there's all these concerns and yet Gabriel shows up and says, do not be afraid. Have you ever been afraid? I'm talking like deep anxiety, terror. I'm talking like nine months stacking on top of each other of unanswered questions and you don't know where the next payment's gonna come from. You don't know how you're gonna pay that medical debt. You don't know how your prodigal child is ever going to come home. You, you just don't know. I think some people woke up in Kentucky today with that fear. God have mercy on those people. Maybe a hundred people died overnight in these tornadoes that swept up out of nowhere and. It's, it's human to feel this. Four years ago, I went to Lebanon, and at that point, Lebanon was receiving all these Iraqi and, and Syrian refugees who were being driven out by ISIS. And so we flew over there into Beirut, and then we went into the Bekaa Valley, and, and there were now millions of Syrian and Iraqi refugees who had been driven out of their homes that they loved and their businesses that they had started. Like life was working for them until they under the cover of darkness had to leave their homes. And I saw this picture of this beautiful Syrian girl and I want you to see this. My friend and I were looking at this and he said to me, I think this is the face of Advent. 
Like the human ache. Can we just name that God is not mad at us for telling the truth about life as it is? If we can't come into church and, and cry and ache and ask God to have mercy and tell the truth about feeling on the brink and come down to the altar and have people lay hands on us and anoint us with oil and say, you're gonna make it another week, we'll stand. If we can't tell the truth in church, what are we doing wasting our time? So what I want you to see right here at the beginning of this story is that Advent is a time to remember that God has compassion for the place of our greatest travail. God has compassion for the parents laying in bed at night, crying tears of sadness, aching for their child to come home. God has compassion for parents who are praying for their son who's in a coma for three weeks. Rise up, young man of God. God has compassion for wives who are wondering if their children will have a father going forward. Like we can tell the truth in the presence of God. Zechariah and Elizabeth had spent years telling the truth in the presence of God and they were wondering if the story would ever shift. Advent's a time to remember that God is compassionate. But Advent is also a time to remember that God hears our cries and he responds with salvation. That God doesn't just sit at a distance and go, oh, bless their precious little hearts. Uh, we'll sort it out one day. God doesn't sit at a distance, uh, dispassionate. God is the God who hears our cries and races to the scene with salvation. God is the God that we see in Jesus Christ that moves into the story of darkness. The little child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger is the story that God moves close in the midst of our pain. And he says to the old man, do not fear, do not fear. Why does he say do not fear? Uh, any, any of you heard of, there's a great apostle walking the earth right now, really strong man of God. The apostle Denzel Washington. Anyone ever heard of the apostle Denzel Washington? Anyone? I mean, you're like, no, I don't watch PG-13 movies getting all serious and Christian. No, have you ever heard of Denzel Washington? Denzel is this monster actor, right? And, and won all the awards you can win and studied at the greatest theater schools in the globe. And he grew up in the church. His dad was a Pentecostal church of God in Christ, fire preaching preacher like going for it. And his dad was bivocational. He actually had two jobs, but on the weekends he would come to the little church that he served in and he would preach, hear ye the word of the Lord. And Denzel was just interviewed recently in the New York Times. And it was a really beautiful interview. And, and they asked him, you know, the moment in time that we're living in Denzel, what would you say about it? He said, this is a time of spiritual warfare. <laughs> Like Denzel was just preaching in this interview. He wasn't holding back. He didn't need anything. They asked him and so he gave it to him and he, and he said a lot of people out there playing with God. He said, y'all stop playing with God. Like don't play with God. He's not here to mess around. But Denzel in this interview, he said something that stuck out to me about fear. He said, fear is contaminated faith. Think about that for just a little bit. Let's use our imagination. Fear is a contaminated faith. A lot of times we hear that fear is a lack of faith and Denzel is right. No, fear is not a lack of faith. Fear is a perverse faith. It's a distorted faith. It's a misdirected faith. Fear is faith. It's faith that the devil wins. 
It's faith that, that death is the end of our story. It, 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 fear is faith that, that there's nothing out there on the horizon of God's glorious future that could change our story. Fear is faith that Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead and the end is not sorted out. Fear is contaminated faith. It's mildewed faith. It's moldy faith. It's, it's faith that the enemy is in control of our stories. You see, we're all worshiping at an altar. There is no pure atheist on the planet. It's just people who have shifted their faith in a different direction. There are no atheists. They're just people who believe differently. They've placed their affections and their loyalties and their hopes and their narrative in a different story, a much smaller story. Denzel says fear is contaminated faith. And Zechariah is told your prayer has been heard. Don't be afraid Zechariah because God has heard your prayer. And then he goes on to say, you will have joy in gladness. To the old man who's got an old wife who doesn't have a child and their story is coming to nothingness, he says, do not fear, your prayer has been heard and you will have joy and gladness. But in our story today, Zechariah didn't believe. And so in verse 20, we see that it says, and now you will be silent. Shh. <laughs> And you won't be able to speak until the day this child comes because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. He's silenced. And I, why is he silenced? I think he's silenced so that he doesn't mess up Elizabeth's process. <laughs> he, he's silenced so that he doesn't contaminate her faith with his fear. He's silenced so that his, his angst and anxiety doesn't bleed out on the woman who is carrying this promise and who's got her face set like flint, like God is going to do this work. Elizabeth is locked in and so God presses the mute button on her husband. And some of you wives want a mute button on your husbands. You know, nine months, oh, sounds good, appreciate it. What a great option, where can I sign up for that? But Zechariah, he's pouting and he, oh, whatever, God's not in control. He's got, he's got faith that darkness is the truest story at this moment, that, that his story is going to come to nothing. He doesn't have faith that God is going to overcome the circumstances and bring salvation, so he's silenced. Sometimes God just needs to shut us up to keep us from spewing our negativity on others. Shh, be quiet, be still, and know that I am God. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Sometimes God in his mercy will just kind of shut us down for a little bit to wait for the process to unfold. I'll say to you today, looking at this Zechariah story, that God would rather partner with us, but he's going to do his work of salvation even in spite of us. <laughs> This is what we see with Zechariah. God, God, come on, Zechariah, do not fear. Let's believe, let's go for it. Here's what I'm up to. Will you draft in behind me by faith? Zechariah says, I won't. So God would rather partner with us, but he will get his stuff done even in spite of us. There's a second story that I want you to see here. We've got the priest, the man of the cloth who should know better, that doesn't believe, but we've got this teenage girl minding her own business, on the fringes of the society, no strength, no voice, no power, no prestige. And the angel Gabriel leaves Zechariah and he comes to this young girl, Mary, and he says the same thing that he says to the old man. 
do not be afraid, Mary. It's going to be okay. God is on the move for you have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is the Israel story coming to its fullness in Jesus and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And how will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? Simple question, decent question. God is not afraid of our questions, but he wants to know that our posture is a posture of faith. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive, she's already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Would you tattoo that on your soul? Would you tattoo that on your psyche? That even when you look at your circumstances and, and it doesn't make sense in the spreadsheet and you know the reality of the relational dynamics for no word from God will ever fail, says Gabriel. And Mary responds, let's go. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Do you see the simplicity of her faith? Do you see the innocence? Do you see the willingness? Do you see the open-heartedness? Zechariah is this man of the cloth who should know better, but he's kind of hardened in his soul and he's rigid in his imagination about what the future can be and his life is beginning to collapse in on itself. But here is this woman going, sure. What, God, whatever you want, be it unto me according to your word, I am the Lord's servant, so let's go. What's our role? What are we supposed to do when God speaks? You see, the invitation is to believe. The invitation is to believe that God is not a liar. The invitation is to believe that God can be trusted. The invitation to, is to believe that God is a God of his word. The invitation is to believe that the very worst thing that you can see, that your whole life is enmeshed in right now, all of the circumstances that seem to be coming apart at the seams, the invitation is to believe that that story is not the final story. The invitation is to believe that God has something on the backside of that difficulty, that God is the one who's working salvation in all things and through all things. The invitation is to believe that no word from God will ever fail. And so the question is, in spite of all that you see, will you still believe that God is working salvation? Do you believe that salvation is God's gift and your final inheritance? And do you believe that God can do the impossible? Do you believe that God can call that child home? Do you believe that God can redeem that relationship? Do you believe that God can cause the, the, the dark clouds of mental confusion to, to be swept out and his light to shine afresh? Do you believe that there is a future beyond your difficult circumstances? The invitation in this text is to believe. And Mary says, I have a lot of questions. I don't really know where this story is going. You're giving me like two sentences to hold on to. But I read the book and you took care of Abraham and Sarah. 
And I read the book and you took care of Isaac and Jacob and you took care of, of, of Joseph in Egypt and you split the Red Sea so that the people of God could walk out of Egypt and, and you took care of Esther and you took care of Ruth and Naomi and you took care, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about what my future looks like but as I look back on the past, I look at the saints and somehow, someway, I know those Old Testament stories and I know how on the brink they were and if you got them through the Red Sea and into the promised land, surely you can get little old me through the Red Sea and into the promised land. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, so be it unto me according to your word. These are the people that God is looking for. People who are just crazy enough to believe that if God raised Jesus from the dead, he, anything's on the table. Saints today, will you carry the uncertainty of your circumstances into the presence of the God who says no word from me will ever fail. Will you believe today? The third thing I want you to see this movement is when Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, her cousin. Elizabeth has been locked away for six months. She's nearing, what, is she in her second, late second trimester, getting ready to kind of round the corner to the third trimester? Anyway, she's six months along and she's starting, you know, she's showing and she's, she's getting really excited and she's nesting and I'm sure she's painted the place blue because she heard it was a dude and, and here we go. And she, so she's like really excited and Mary knocks on the door out of nowhere. She didn't send a text. She just started walking. Here we go, let's go, let's go find Elizabeth. And Elizabeth receives her cousin, look at this in verse 39. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town. She's so excited. You know, when, when, faith, when faith gets in you, you start, you have a little bounce in your step. Doesn't mean life got easier. Again, she had more questions introduced to her than answers given to her, but, but the spirit spoke and so let's go. <laughs> so she starts bouncing around. She heads over to a the country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted her cousin Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, please don't miss this. Mary says, Elizabeth, when she heard her greeting, the baby John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit right then and right there. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the child. She starts prophesying. She doesn't even know what she's doing here. The spirit has come on her, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who had, please, blessed is she who has what? Believe. Believe. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Notice Elizabeth had a future gestating inside of her. Six months pregnant with John the Baptist, this young prophet who's gonna come out into the wilderness and the spirit and the power of Elijah saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. He's gonna live in the wilderness and live a lean and mean existence. He's gonna call Israel back to repentance and, and the Gentiles to follow this Messiah. John the Baptist is baking in her womb. He, he's gestating. She's got a promise, a hope, a future, a dream inside of her. Jesus. Jesus was there, so she's got this future gestating, and I want you to see that Jesus was there, but she just couldn't see him. 
Mary walks in to the apartment. Elizabeth is there with John the Baptist six months along. Mary walks in with this little in utero Messiah. Israel's future on the move inside of her. And, and there's just so much uncertainty, but, but something's happening. And Elizabeth has this future, this dream, this hope, this horizon in her. She's got newness coming to life inside of her. And, and she can't, Jesus is there, but she just can't see him. And I think that's the way the life of faith works. Jesus is here. We just can't see him all the time. Jesus is speaking and Jesus is moving. We just can't see him all the time. The presence of God is so often imperceptible. The voice of God is so often, it's quiet. The, the work of God is so often invisible, but we see in Elizabeth that there is a way, even in the uncertainty, to live by faith. There is a way to strain your ear toward the voice of the one who says salvation is coming. Jesus is in the room that day. She just can't see him. And still, she's filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. This is so often how I experience my life. There's something in me, there's, there's a dream alive in me. I'm, I'm carrying this thing, hopefully to full term. And I, I know God has spoken and I know what my heart longs for and I know what God has given to me to do, but I just can't see Jesus at work. But what if, what if Elizabeth is the right image for us to carry in those moments? That Jesus is in the room, you just can't see him. But can you hear him? Can you feel the pulsating presence of his spirit energizing you? It didn't keep Elizabeth from experiencing the presence and the power of the Spirit. Elizabeth was quickened and filled with the Spirit. I love, I grew up so much of my life going to the black church and being formed by the black church. And I love the black church because they just believe that the Spirit of God is moving at all times and they're quickened with the Holy Spirit and they start dancing and they start shouting and they can't see it and the circumstances aren't always right but something in them believes so much that their feet start moving and their hands start getting raised and they start shouting. They get quickened and filled with the Holy Spirit. What if Elizabeth has something to teach us about that? What if the black church has something to teach us about that? That even when we can't see the way forward, we can be filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen today? Amen. This is who we are. John the Baptist, the dream that she was carrying was quickened and filled with the Spirit. That life inside of Elizabeth started turning backflips and that's what got it all started, the presence and the power of Jesus. When Jesus comes in the room, even when he's not visible, even when you can't really tell what's going on, even when his voice is dim and he's tucked away behind the uterine wall of our uncertainties, if you will. Something happens when Jesus comes into the story and we are quickened and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wanna say to you today, Jesus is here. <laughs> you may not be able to see him. You may not know what's going on in your story. You may have been tucked away in a hospital for 30 days going, is anyone listening? Jesus is there too. Jesus is, is there as you're, as you're talking with your teenagers through a really complex season of life. Jesus is there when you're sitting bedside with your elderly parents who are getting ready to enter their rest and you're holding their hand and they've got more questions than answers. Jesus is there where you receive the presence and power of his Holy Spirit. And I'll say to you today, I just really sense that some of you have these dreams and these, these visions and these hopes and God by his spirit has filled you. He's impregnated you with, with a future. 
and you feel like it's on the brink. You feel like there's just darkness. You're not sure if this is gonna be carried to full term. And I want you to hear today that by the Spirit, something in you is gonna leap again. Something in you is gonna start moving again. Something in you is gonna be energized. That dream, that passion, that hope, that expectation is going to start turning backflips again because this is what happens when the Spirit comes. The good news today is that Jesus is coming close. And something inside of all of us is going to leap again. And so what I want to do is read you a few of these snippets of these passages. And I want you to open your hands like this as we prepare to come to worship in the table of the Lord. I want you to see these passages that we've just read. The first one that I want you to see is verse 13. And I want you to insert your name here. Do not be afraid and then put your name there. Do not be afraid. Thomas, do not be afraid, Lisa, do not be afraid, Jason, do not be afraid, Jack, do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. I need you to know today that God hears you, that God is for you, that God is with you, that God is paying attention. Do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard, verse 14, receive this by faith, you will have joy and gladness. Do you believe that today? Can you start to press into that today? Like you will have joy and gladness. You have uncertainty. There there are so many questions that you have and the end of your story will be joy and gladness. Can you say amen today? The next one I want you to see, he says this again, do not be afraid and put your name there. For you have found favor with God. So many of us live thinking that everyone else gets the favor of God. I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm a second class citizen in the kingdom and I'm not, I don't really, I don't read my Bible every day. I know I should, but I'm not really a great Christian. And I'm just here today to rebuke those lies. Do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. <laughs> like he's for you. It's not because of your performance that he's for you. It's, he's for you because he's for you. <laughs> and he will ever and only and always be eternally for you. Do not be afraid because you have found favor with God. I want you to see here this phrase, for no word from God will ever fail. Some of you know God has spoken to you about that child that's in the far country. And I'm here to, you, I'm here to say to you today, no word from God will ever fail. Don't look now, but God is working. And even though you don't know it, you don't see it, Jesus is in the room even if you can't see him. No word from God will ever fail. And then this last one, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and I want you to receive this for yourself. Think about the thing that you're carrying in your being. In the womb of your soul, when, when she heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And I'm saying to you today and to your dreams, wake up. Come back to life today. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I say to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with newness and freshness and life. And so will you stand with me today, church? And would you keep your hands open? We're gonna have a little moment here where we pray and we intercede and we we go into the presence of the Lord and we call on his name. Open your hands with me now and just begin to speak to the Lord about your dreams. Speak to the Lord about your ache. 
Speak to the Lord about your fears. Tell him, give it over to him today. God wants to hear from you. God, I give you this, dot, dot, dot. God, I turn that fear over to you. God, I trust you with my future. Would you begin to pray right now? I'm not praying for you, I'm praying with you. God, I give you my hopes. I give you my concerns. I give you my questions. And now we say with Mary, be it unto me according to your word. This is up on the screen. Would you pray this with me now? Be it unto me according to your word. Let's say that three times. We'll take another minute here and think about the areas where we need his word to invade. The situations that seem intractably stuck, would you now pray it with me? Be it unto me according to your word. Think about the end of your life and all the questions that come with that and feeling out of control. And will you now say with me, be it unto me according to your word. And so Lord, we say we trust you. Make us like young Mary, believing that no word from God will ever fail. Make us like Elizabeth carrying the dream and in wombing the, what, the future that you've put inside of us and let it come to life, we pray. And I pray that you would rebuke all fear over my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, I sense there's a spirit of fear that is attacking so many of you in your mind. And in Jesus' name today, I say be rebuked fear. Be driven out in Jesus' name. Perfect love casts out fear. If God raised Jesus from the dead, I say to you, fear has no hold on you. And so Lord, we pray today that there would be a softening of the soul, that there would be an opening up of the imagination, that there would be an enlivening of our faith today. Let it be unto us according to your word. Let's worship the Lord together and in just a minute we'll receive communion.
them ready to receive. Think about what's happening in the Last Supper. Jesus is about to climb Golgotha. He's about to be crucified and put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And then weeks after that, he's about to ascend to the right hand of the... Jesus is about to disappear again. Elizabeth is there in the room. Mary walks in. She can't see Jesus, but Jesus is there and something in her is quickened. Jesus is about to disappear and he's about to fling his disciples out into the world to go do the work. So what does he do? He feeds them. You've got a journey in front of you. You're going to need some food. You're thirsty, you're gonna get weary and, and dry and worn, let me give you a drink. And, and this is my body which is broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant given in my blood. You're clean, let's go to work. And so today, I have this image that we're gonna bounce out of here like Mary bounced out of her place to go see Elizabeth. She heard the news and she hurried, like we're gonna get our bounce back. But Jesus is gonna feed us to go do the work. Jesus is gonna strengthen us to live this out. And so would you close your eyes today and begin to just call on, say, come Holy Spirit. Fill me and quicken me and renew me and enliven me. Make me new. Come on, church, let's pray. Make me new. Fill us, fill us, quicken us, make us alive. Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Church, you may receive the bread. The power of the spirit rise in us today. The fullness of life well up within us today. He took the cup on the night he was betrayed he said this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of all of your sins you're clean today church you're forgiven you're ready to go there's a fresh start if any person be in christ they are a new creation and all the old is gone and all the new has come you may receive the cup from jesus today let's sing this holy spirit you are welcome Build 
today to receive the blessing straight from the Word of God, Numbers chapter 6, 24 and 25, the ancient priests of Israel when the people of God were leaving the temple, when they were leaving the synagogue, they would all open up their hands and they would say, and now may the Lord our God bless you and keep you, and may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? I wanna invite our prayer team to come down. We would love to pray with any of you if you have any prayer needs. Go from here with that bounce in your step that Mary had. Be filled with the Spirit. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.